0: And we're going to start in Matthew 7, verse 24. And we're going to continue talking about, last week we started talking about building on the rock. Building on the rock. So we're going to turn Matthew 7, verse 24. In the New King James this week, we're going to read it from there. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. Now this is Jesus speaking. It's a red letter in your Bible. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Everybody say, and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Amen? Everybody say, church on the rock. All right. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house, it fell and great was the fall of it. So I'm going to continue today. I want to talk to you again about building on the rock. We started last week talking about building on the rock. I want to continue that, talking about the importance of building our life on the rock. And so uh, let's read the first part of this verse one more time. Matthew 7 and verse 24. I want to read the first part of that because that's the kind of people that we want to be. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Now, that's the major key. Everybody say major key. That's the major key right here. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, those are the ones who will be wise and build their house on the rock. Now when he says build your house, he's talking about building your life. It's not about a physical house, it's about a spiritual house. It's about your life. And he says there's people in two different categories. There's people in this life that build their life or their house on the rock, which is God and his word, and there's people that build their house on sand, things that can change, things that can move around, things that are not stable. And most people build their life on sand. But the point is this, you don't know what kind of house that you have built until a crisis comes, a storm comes. Because on the outside, the one built on the sand and the one built on the rock look the same until the storm comes. But then when the storms of life, which they come to all of us, if you live in this planet, storms of life will come to you. There will be challenges. You're not in heaven yet. There is a enemy called the devil and he doesn't like you he hates you and he comes to steal kill and destroy and he has still some authority on this planet that's why we face the troubles we face because we live in a fallen world a fallen planet and he has some authority so we face these things now notice we face these things doesn't mean we can't get through these things but you see who's life or whose house is built on the rock and built on sand so my encouragement today and last week is this as a pastor I'm giving you a warning ahead of time build it right now on the right things before life comes at you before the storm hits cause usually it's too late then Can I get amen in the house of God? There is the mercy and grace of God which has helped all of us in here get through some situations when we know our house was not up to code. We know that. But we can't just live off that the rest of our life and expect our life to go the way it wants we want it to go because we have to build it on something that will last, which is God and his word. God in his word. So we got to build it on the rock. So I'm trying to encourage you guys. And most of you are in this category because you've been in this church a long time. And you've heard the word of God, which is the rock you build your life on. So a lot of people in this house have stable, strong houses or lives that you've built. But this is something that can encourage the person who has built their house and the person who's building their house. Because I know for for me and for people that have been in church a long time, it's so easy to just hear the word and not do the word because you think you got it just because you heard it so many times. And that's why Jesus says the one who builds his house on the rock is the one who hears it and does it. That's the key. Who hears it, other translations says, and follows it. Or applies it to their life, that's the one whose house or whose life is built on the rock. The one who hears it and does it, who goes out of service and doesn't just say, that's a good message, and doesn't think about it the rest of the week. That's not somebody building their house on the rock. And it's not about the preacher, it's about the words you're hearing. It's not about the preacher. Now we appreciate good preachers, but it's not about the preacher. It's about the words you're hearing. It's what's going to change your life. It's going to build your house on the rock, because this is the only thing that will last. So we need to build it on the rock. We build our lives on the rock. Now what is the rock? Well, the rock is more than an actor. And he's more, (laughs) the rock is more than just rocks outside. When he's referring to rock in this passage, he's referring to not just God, that's generic. Because a lot of people say, my life is built on God. How so? They can't give you an answer other than that. Well, I go to church. I'm in a life group. I hang out with church people. I listen to Christian radio. That's not what we're talking about. That's a start. When God says here in his word, builds their life on the rock, he's not just talking about God in a generic sense. He's not even, and Jesus is the one who said this, he's not just talking about Jesus in a generic sense. Because so many Christians say stuff like that. Oh, my life is built on God, my life is built on Jesus. But you can't give me any details on how that works every day. How does that practically work work in your life that you follow and you live this life on the rock with Jesus? No, what he's talking about is this, those who build their life on the word. Because that's when it gets down to the nitty gritty, is the word of God. And God and his word are one. There's no difference, God and his word are one. Jesus came and what was he? He was the word made flesh. Come on now, somebody. And it says, the word came and dwelt among us, and he lived with us, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when we say building your life on the rock, not just God, not just Jesus, that's generic. The word is what he's talking about. Those who build their lives on the word of God, Now, what did he just say? Those who listen to my teachings, what's that? His words. And does them. Those are the ones who live their lives and their lives are built on a rock. That's what he's talking about. Because God and his word are one. God and his word are one. You only follow God to the level you follow this. You only follow Jesus to the level you follow this. You know why a lot of people want to say, oh, I follow God. I follow Jesus. Because they don't have to do anything. There's no responsibility. There's no accountability. There's nothing you have to do. But when you say somebody's to follow the word, that's different. But this word, what is it? It is God speaking to you. Not just God speaking to me. This word is God speaking to you and you and you and you and you and you. Especially you, Miss Donna. No, I'm just chucking. <laughs> it's God speaking to you. And it would change our lives if we read it that way. That ju- This is not just something That's just another book that men wrote to to bring us into religion and to control us. I've heard all the lies. I've heard all the excuses. No, this is God's word speaking to us. And when you read it like it's just another book, you just get another book. When you read it like you can take it or leave it and you can just throw it up on your nightstand until next Sunday, that's all it will be to you. But when you read this book, because it is, it's alive and it's full of power. Last week we read this scripture in Luke and it says that no word of God is void of power. Not one word in this book is void of power. And when we read it like that, it changes our life from the inside out. Because it's God's word speaking to us. It is inspired by God for us to change our life from the inside out. That's how God changes us. He changes us through his word. Do prayer lines help? Yes. But he changes you through his word. Are you hearing what I'm saying so far? This is just the introduction. (laughs) What do we want? We want a prayer line to fix our problems. Right? We want the magic wand of the Holy Spirit to fix our issues. Come up here, and you will think right the rest of your life. No, you won't. Think right and you'll be healed the rest of your life. Come get deliverance and you'll be delivered and peaceful and joyful and never any issue if you get prayed for today. No, the prayer line is the starting place. The prayer line is God helping you when you can't help yourself to get you out of that situation. But once you are healed, how do you stay healed? The word. Once you get delivered and you're crying and you're in a fetal position on the ground here and God is delivering you from all that nasty junk in your life, how do you stay delivered? The Word of God. Not getting back in another prayer line next week. I'm sorry. The prophet's in town and I'm starting to act like one. (laughs) Am I helping you today? I'm saying this all out of love. Because if you want your life to change and stay changed, and you want to build your life on the rock, the Word, and there's many ways you can get the Word into you. You can read it, you can have an app that reads it for you, you can listen to podcasts, you can get on YouTube, you can download a Bible app on your phone that will give you hundreds of devotional plans. Hundreds of Bible translations, hundreds of ways to help you interpret the Bible that people a hundred years ago couldn't have. They would just have to take the preacher's word for it. But you have Bible apps that will help you explain the original language, that will help you explain the context of scriptures, that will help give you the background and the geography and the maps, for goodness sakes, on what's going on in this Bible. There's no excuse. For ah the Bible's boring I don't really get it no you're really boring and you don't get it (laughs) out of love but it's truth no the Bible's not boring you just have to get into it you just have to read it like God's speaking to you you just have to find the right translation that fits you and it might not be the same for everybody in here that certain translations jump out to you and they, you can receive for them. Certain study Bibles flip all your switches and that's what ministers to you. Get that, do that. That's the way God is trying to speak to you. But trust me, let's not say that in the world and day and age we live in, that the Bible's boring and I can't understand it and I don't get it. No, that's a choice at this point. You can get it. You can understand it. But this is not a book that you're just going to understand in a week. That's what frustrates people. Because they're looking for a microwave Christianity serving a crockpot God. That's why they say I don't get it because they think, oh, if I just read it once this week and I don't have extreme revelation, that I should give up on it. This is going to take your whole lifetime to get revelation on. Yes, that's true. God says in his word, all of eternity, we're going to be finding out new things about him and understanding what he said more and more. So just because you read it a week or two and didn't understand it means nothing. It's going to take time. It's going to take passion. It's going to take getting into this to understand this. But listen to me. Don't give up on this just because you don't get it at first. Don't give up on this just because you read it in a wrong translation and you don't understand it. Because this is God speaking to you. Come on, are you hearing my heart today? I love you. That's why I'm trying to help you here. And if we really want to change our lives for good, this has to be In the center of it. Now we don't worship the Bible and bow down to it. We don't make this into something weird. But this is God's word speaking to us. In the same way, for all you people that celebrate relationships and you think love letters are so important. If someone you loved wrote you a letter, you would keep that forever. And you know what? you would read it over and over and over again, and your friends that don't get your love don't understand it, and they would say to you, why do you keep reading that letter? You already read it once. Well, I love them, so I love what they wrote to me, and I'm going to keep reading it because maybe if I keep reading it, I will get something else out of it. Now, that's just from a human being. That's just from a human being. How much more God? When he wrote a love letter to you, that you would want to read it over and over and over again. And you don't care what other people say because they don't have that love relationship you do with God. And I'm going to keep reading this because this is God speaking to me. And the more I read it, the more I get out of it. And you could read the same verse for the next 10 years and get something different out of it. Because it's not just a human book. It's a God-given, God-breathed book. And God is speaking to you. Has anyone ever had that happen? You've read a verse you have read a hundred times before, and you were just like, eh, I don't get it. And then one day, a verse out of Ecclesiastes jumps out at you and blesses you, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Ecclesiastes, really, God? Yes, Ecclesiastes. Because God knows what he's doing, and he knows how to give you the right word for the season you're in. He knows how to give you the right word for what you're going through. He knows how to give you the right verse and the right passage and the right place in here to read when you need answers to your life. Come on, I'm excited. I don't know about you. That's God's word speaking to us. Many people say, I don't hear God. Don't hear God. You want the quickest way? The quickest way. Everybody want the quickest way to hear God? Open this up. Read it out loud. But that's me talking. No, you're reading God's word. So God is speaking to you. You want to hear God? You know what people say when they want to hear God? They want to hear an audible voice. This. This this. Now, why did he do this more than he speaks audibly? Faith. It takes no faith if God was shouting at you with a megaphone every day. If God was giving you a billboard sign every day on what your life should be. But it takes faith to read this and believe, God, you're going to show me something I need today. God, you're going to speak to me. Now, there are times that God does speak to you that way. And of course, we know God can speak to you by his spirit, in your spirit. He can give you inward peace, which is God speaking to you. He can give you an inward voice, which is God speaking to you. But the main way God speaks to you is his word. And it's oftentimes the most overlooked because it's not as spectacular. But it's. Just as supernatural. And so we can't say, God, you're not speaking if our Bible is closed. We can't. Oh, too real on a Sunday morning? All right, I'm sorry. We can't. We can't say, God, why aren't you speaking? The heavens are shut up. I can't hear his voice. Open your Bible. Start reading. Start reading. You might not get something the first day, but keep reading. Keep getting into God's word. Trust me, there are scriptures that are going to come back around when you need it the most. You're like, yeah, I read it in my Bible plan a hundred days ago. But that's the verse I need for today. And guess what? If I didn't read it, it wouldn't be in me for the Holy Spirit to pull up. So we can't say that God is not speaking when we have a closed Bible. Because the primary way God is going to speak to you is by what he's already spoken. Are you hearing me today? By what he has already spoken. So we see that this Bible, within it is 66 books that were written in three different languages by 40 different men of God over 1,600 years. And it says that these words were, yes, written by men, but the Holy Spirit is the one who carried them along and who inspired them on what to write in these books. Over 2,000 times in this Bible, it says, this is the word of God. This is not just another book. It's not just a man's book. This is the word of God. If it said it once, that's enough. But over 2,000 times it says, this is the word of God. And able to change us from the inside out. I'm going to talk to you today about a few things that the word is in our life. First of all, I want us to turn to Matthew 4, if we can. In verse 4. I appreciate you guys listening. I'm just fired up. Matthew 4 and verse 4. Matthew 4 and verse 4 in the New Living. It says, But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice that. Let's leave this verse up there. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes. From the mouth of God. I want to give you some examples. Because the Bible talks about the word being many things. It will say the word is like a seed. Or the word is like fire. Or the word is like a rock. Or the word is like this and like that. There's so many different illustrations or word pictures. That this book gives about the word. And I want to share three of them with you today. That I think will help you. And the first one is. The, re, the, the word in this passage. Is spiritual food. The, the word in this passage is spiritual food. Matthew 4 and 4. Let's read it again. Jesus said people do not live by bread alone. But by every word. That comes from the mouth of God. This Bible that we have. Is the word that came from the mouth of God. And it says we don't live by bread alone, but we live by the words of God. So the first thing I want to talk about is the word is spiritual food. In this trans- translation or this verse, it says the word is like a bread. Of course, in that day, all of us 2018 people are trying to stay away from bread. Now, you ain't right, you gluten free people. It's biblical but especially in the times that Jesus lived one of the main things they had was bread there wasn't a lot of options they would have bread they would have some some crops that they they would grow in the backyard maybe some corn something like that but they had bread probably at every meal so bread was one of those things they ate every meal. That It was something that sustained them. It was something that gave them life. It gave them nutrition. It was spiritual food for them, bread. So he says, the word of God is like bread. It's that essential to your life. And the word of God is spiritual food for you. In the same way, if we don't eat naturally, we get weak. Right? Now most of us know that because we eat too much, myself included. But if we don't eat, we get weak, we get sick, and ultimately, you know, if you don't eat, you die. It's the same way spiritually. And that's why he gives us this example that the word of God is spiritual food for us. You will never be a strong spiritual person without God's word in your life because you gotta eat now what you get on Sundays is a buffet but a buffet on Sunday can't help you the rest of the week are you hearing me now that's why so many Christians are weak because they're just waiting on me to say something They're just waiting to listen to a podcast for God to tell them something. That's good. But if you're going to be spiritually strong, you got to eat yourself. And the Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. He's not just talking about physical bread. That's part of it. He wants to provide for you. He's talking about spiritual bread. There is daily bread. Spiritual bread for you to eat and to be strong in this book. And what happens? This is real easy to understand. If you don't eat daily, you're weak that day. You don't eat. It's the same way spiritually. And we wonder why our lives are the way they are. Because we're not eating to keep ourselves strong. Yeah, we eat on Sunday. But what do you do Monday through Saturday? Saturday. God wants to give you daily bread to eat. He wants to give you spiritual food daily so that you're spiritually strong. But that comes through the word of God. God wants to give you spiritual food and it only comes through the word of God. Now this is funny and some of you have heard this before but this is a quote from a, a famous preacher in the past. He said, most people feed their bodies three Hot meals a day. And their spirit. One cold snack a week. And they wonder why they're spiritually. Dead. Did you guys hear me? We don't miss meals. He said most people feed their body. Three warm meals a day. But their spirit life. Their spirit man. One cold snack a week. And they wonder. Why they're spiritually dead. There's the answer. Ta-da. I didn't want to hear that. I want a prayer line message. (laughs) That's the answer. Why do we sometimes come into service and people are worshiping and we act like we're dead? No spiritual nourishment during the week. No spiritual food. Why can people be up here preaching like myself? And you guys look back at me like, <laughs> Not all of you, but some of you, no spiritual food. I don't get it. I don't know. If you've been eating all week, you're just like, oh yeah. I've been eating that too, Pastor. I've been at that same buffet that you went to. Instead of looking at me like, hmm you're trying, you're trying, good try. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? I'm just being real with you, I love you, I just, but I got to tell you the truth. And we've all had days, I'm not being judgmental, we've all had days that we've been tired and frustrated and we didn't worship like we did the Sunday before or we didn't shout the Sunday before. I've been quiet. But I'm saying if that's your life you got to check up If that's the way you always come to church, if that's the way you always read the Bible, if that's the way you always are in life group, you got to ask yourself, what are you eating? What you eating? I'm trying to take you to whole foods and to give you some organic, non-GMO, grass-fed Good stuff to eat. And you still want to go to McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I ate McDonald's on Friday. (laughs) And it wasn't my fault. My daughter needed food. And it was an emergency. (laughs) And I said, Natalie... Daddy's not eating there. Let's eat something good. She said, I need McDonald's. I'm so tired and hungry. All right, we're going to McDonald's. Because it's Father's Day, and I'm a good dad. And I'm a big softy. So we're going to McDonald's. Let's go get us a toy. Just stop crying. And we got McDonald's. And I said, I'm not getting McDonald's. I know better than that. I'm all about that non-GMO, grass-fed, organic stuff. So I said, uh, let me get a Happy Meal with um, some chicken nuggets, which you know them chicken nuggets. Have you seen the documentaries about them chicken nuggets? Don't watch them. <laughs> you'll, you'll be a vegan the rest of your life. <laughs> They're that bad. I said, let me get a Happy Meal with four Chicken McNuggets and an Incredibles 2 toy to go with it and a yogurt for her. It's some fries. And I said, I'm good. I'll just wait. I'm gonna eat something good later. Come trying to lose weight. We got two weeks to camp. I got 30 pounds to go. <laughs> hey, so if you see me in a garbage bag running the streets drinking water for the next two weeks, you know what's up. 30 pounds by camp. I can do this. I'm not gonna be punked out by these skinny teenagers. And then the devil spoke up. (laughs) And they said, oh, is that all you would like? (laughs) Is that all you would like? Or is there something else to your order? All right, give me a cheeseburger and fries. Forget it. Forget this. Give me a cheeseburger and fries. I'll eat healthy tomorrow. Isn't that what we all say? I'll start my diet on Monday. Not Sunday, because you got to eat a good meal on Sunday. We'll start it on Monday. So, spinach, trash bags, and water for the next two weeks. We got this. But just to be honest with yourself, what does that say when you come into service or just even your personal prayer life, if you're always going into it beat down And no faith and no energy. I know there's seasons like that. Hear me. There's seasons that you feel that way. But it shouldn't be your whole spiritual life. (laughs) It says it tells me what you've been eating. Not spiritual food. You've been eating CNN. You've been eating the radio. And just music on the radio. That a lot of it's nonsense. It's got a good beat. But what are you filling your life with? That's what you're eating. Or you're filling your life with your career, stuff at work, you're filling your life with other hobbies that are not bad, but they're not spiritual food. God said if you want to be spiritually strong, you're going to have to eat. And eat for yourself. You know, the Bible talks about spiritual babies and mature people. Now, what's one of the main things that babies need? They need to be fed. How do you know you're starting to mature as a believer? You're not desperate to get back to Sunday so you can hear another word. Are you hearing me today? Why? You appreciate Sunday and you receive, but you say, Pastor, I've been eating all week. And I'm not coming in here starving. (laughs) I'm so hungry. You could have been eating all week. So how do we know we start maturing as believers? We stop getting off the bottle that the pastor has to put in your mouth every week. Eat. But you start being spiritually mature and you start eating yourself. You know how that would change the atmosphere of this church? If everyone didn't come saying, I'm starving. Give me some food. Instead, they came in saying, Pastor, I've already eaten, and I'm ready to help you today. I'm already full, but I'll take what you can give me too. Come on, it'll just be cherry on top of this cake. Come on, I'll receive it. But I've been eating all week, Pastor. I've been listening to podcasts all week. I've been on YouTube all week. I've been in my Bible all week. I've been worshiping this week. So when I come, I'll bring something to the service. And you know why we do that? So the people that really need help and really don't know God and really have issues in their life, they can come in and they can get help because the spiritual atmosphere that's in this place. But that's talking about being a mature person that you're thinking about more than just yourself. (laughs) That I'm not just eating for me, I'm eating, so I'm spiritually strong for other people. Are you picking up what I'm laying down today? Now, that's a real believer. That's not just thinking, well, it's just about me. No, you're eating not just for you to be strong, so you can help other people. And you can help other people when you're at church, but you can help other people at where you work. And you can help other people... Where you go to school at. And you can go help other people at the coffee shop. And you could go help other people at the gym. Because you're not spiritually starving. Come on, are you getting something today? I love you today. I'm just trying to encourage you. So the word of God is bread. I'm going to go to the next verse. And let's talk about the word of God is light. Can we pull up Psalm 119, 105? Psalm 119 and 105. The word of God is light. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The word of God is light. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and it's a light for my path. That's what the word of God is, is light. There's other verses that say the entrance of your word gives light. The entrance of your word gives light. So your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The word is light. How is the word light in your life? We all know there's situations that we don't know the answer to. There's your future that you don't know all the answers to. And it looks dark. And sometimes it can look scary. But what happens when we know the word of God? Our future doesn't look dark anymore. And we don't walk around like we don't have any answers anymore. Why? Because your word is a lamp and your word is a light to my path. And I realize if I get in this word, I will have answers for my life because it will illuminate it with the word of God. The word is a light for your path. Your path, I would say, is your future. The will of God for your life. How do you know that? The word of God. God speaks to you. And this word will be a light in a dark place to you. I thought about this also thinking about different things in my life that I went through. Thinking about Thinking about times I felt depressed or anxious or worried or in a dark place. Anybody ever been there? Just me. And what happens? The word is a, a lamp. And it's a light to your path it's a light at the end of the tunnel you ever heard that when it seems dark around you you see the word and it's a light and it shows you there's a way out I'm sorry the light shows you there's a way of escape. And if you didn't have the word, what would you have? The word is a lamp and it's a light to your path. The entrance of his word gives light. Not just about your future, but about everything. You're not in the dark anymore like everybody else on the planet that's just surviving. Surviving. You're not like that anymore because you have light because of the word. You're not like everybody else that lives in darkness. You're different. But why are you different? The word. The word is a lamp to your feet. And it's a light to your path. You guys get something today? I got one more verse I want to talk to you about. Let's look at Ephesians 5. And twenty-five. Lastly, I want to talk about the word is like water. Ephesians five, verse twenty-five. This is a wedding verse. Verse they always quote at weddings. But it's got a dual meaning to it because it's talking about husbands and wives. But it's also talking about the church. Talking about Jesus and the bride of Christ, which is the church. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now listen to this verse. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So it's talking about husbands and wives, but it's also talking about Christ in the church. And we are the bride of Christ. And it says that God washes us or cleanses us as his bride to make us Holy without having no spot or no wrinkle or any such thing that we should be holy and without blemish. So we are the bride of Christ, the church. And God washes us with his word to make us purified, to make us cleansed, to make us holy, to make us without spot or without blemish before his sight. So God cleanses our lives and he cleans us up By his word. That's how he does it. And the water in this passage, it says the word is like water. We know the water does a lot of things. The water brings refreshing. How many were outside yesterday in 96 degree weather? The water brings refreshing. Not just the pool water, drinking water brings refreshing. So water brings refreshing. But it says in this passage that God as the husband wants to wash us as the church with his word to make us right, to make us holy, to make us clean. Because you realize God's perfect, but all of us, we're not. We have issues. And God wants us to be brought up to his level, to his position as the bride of Christ, as the church without spot or wrinkle. How is that going to happen? Washing us with the water by the word. So when we get in this book, it washes us from all the filth, from all the nastiness, from all the stuff that we hear on the radio, from all the stuff we hear and see on TV, from living in a fallen, broken world. When we get into this word, it washes us with the water of the word. So we're made holy, we're made clean, and we're made perfect. But there's a lot of believers walking around like they just jumped into a mud pit with a pig. Why? Because they live in the world. They experience the world. And they don't realize how much junk and dirt gets on them every day. And after a while, you don't even notice how dirty you are. And what does the word come? It comes and washes that all away. It washes you from the inside out. Because you don't realize what you pick up all the time. You pick up a lot of dirt, trust me. Especially by things that you see and hear. And you don't even realize it's affecting you. And the word comes in and it washes you and you realize, oh, I haven't been thinking right. Now, what happened there? You were just washed by the water of the word to come and make you holy, right. Precious, clean, purified. That's what the word of God does. It cleanses you. You know, I think this is funny. You know, a lot of church people, or let me say people that don't understand church, they say, you just go down to that church on the rock, and you guys are just brainwashed down there. Let's think about this for a second. Your brain needs a good wash. That's the reason you're as crazy as you are, Uncle Todd. Don't they try to say that, people that don't get it? You're just brainwashed down there. You're just in blah, 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 blah. Shut up. You need a good brainwashing. That's why you're so whack. Now, don't say that. I'm being a pastor. Sorry, 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 sorry. But ain't that the truth? Yes, sir. You're just being brainwashed down there. Yes, I am washed by the water of the word. And it's renewing my mind. And it's cleansing my mind. And it's sustaining my mind. And it's turning me into a different person. That's what I want it to happen. So yes, I am being brainwashed down here by the word of God. So don't let people f- make you feel bad for being at church with their brainwashed. You need a good washing. That's your problem. You got too much filth and junk and stuff in your mind. Your mind is so weak, you don't know what to do. But you need a good washing. And how do we wash? Not by what some man says, by the word of God. Wash it with the word of God. That's the only truth that we have, the Word of God. Let the CNN wash away. Let the uh, TV wash away. Let Netflix wash away. Let watch the magazines and the nasty books that are coming out. Let that wash away. Let all that junk that you experience at work and the talk wash away or the stuff you hear at school wash away. How do we do that? How do we cleanse our mind and cleanse our soul? The Word of God. Wash By the water. That's the word of God. You getting something today? So now you got to come back. Y'all ready to use that? Now you got to come back and somebody says, y'all brainwashed down there. Oh, pastor told me what to say. (laughs) I got this. It's not going to be too nice, but I got this. That's why you're so whack. (laughs) It's because your brain needs a good washing. Lastly, I want to say this about washing. Pastor Nancy gave a wonderful illustration of this. Talking about the word washing our lives. She has a lot of dogs, Pastor Nancy. She's a dog person. And so she would talk about going outside and she would see the bowl of water for her dogs. Would always, because it's outside, it would have tons of bugs and nasty stuff trying to crawl in it. Because she has like four or five dogs. So she would go outside, and she would see that, and she would be like, well, you know, I want them to have fresh water, but I don't want to deal with those bugs, and she was saying that that's like most people. Most people, if they see something in their life, they're wanting to bend over and start picking out the bugs and the nastiness out of their life, and that really doesn't work, She said what she would do is this. She grabs the hose and she aims it towards the place where their dogs drink the water and she sprays it. And she gets it so full and overflowing of water that all the bugs and all the junk and all the nasty stuff just washes away and there's clean water in that dog bowl now. But notice she says, I'm not going to bend over and touch all those nasty bugs and other stuff. I'm going to let the water do the work. Come on, where the Pentecostals at? I'm going to let the water do the work. And that's like you and me. If you got issues, don't just be thinking and sitting in your chair trying to think the wrong thoughts away, trying to believe the wrong thoughts away, or sitting there meditating all that nasty stuff in your life. That won't work. And you're going to get yourself more dirty doing that. What do you need to do? You need to aim the hose of the word of God at that thing. And you need to keep filling it till it overflows. And then there will be nothing but clean water there. But how do we do that? We wash it by the washing of the word of God. That's how you do it. Don't get down there with the bugs and nastiness. Wash it out with the word of God. That's why you need to get the word in you all the time. That's how you overcome addiction. Do you know that? A prayer line helps, but you get so full of this, it washes all that stuff out of you. I don't even want to smoke anymore. I don't even want to look at porn anymore. I don't even want to drink anymore. I don't even want to do that anymore. Why? Because you washed it by the word of God. But hear me, here's the other side of it. If you stop washing it, what's going to get back in it? Bugs, dirt, grass, other stuff. This is not a one time thing, this is an ongoing process. And God wants to wash us, but how does He do it? By the Word of God. I done preached myself happy today. Wash that junk out of your life. That's how you overcome. Washed by the water of the Word of God. I'm going to turn to one last verse, and we'll close Matthew seven, twenty four. But in the message translation, all right, let's just listen to this: Matthew seven twenty four. In the message, says these words I speak to you. This is Jesus. Are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Words to build a life on. Are you hearing that? If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. And when the rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house because it was fixed on a rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, Now, I didn't say this This Is the message Bible. You are like a stupid carpenter. I didn't say this. I repeat, don't tell your children that I said stupid in class. You are like an unwise carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. And when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. But notice it says, be a wise carpenter that built their house on solid rock. Be a wise carpenter. Use these words as a foundation for your life.